The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. to the 184th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. I am your host, after a very long time, Floyd Johnson, and with me today, because Austin is on assignment covering both the March Madness Tournament and high school basketball in his state, is Mr. J.R., they call him Jesus Perez. What's up, Jr.? You know, it is a beautiful Austin three sixteen day. Here we are on the sixteenth day of March and celebrating it, and it's wonderful. With the the arguably the biggest superstar in the history of professional wrestling, so I'm here, and uh, what a what a lot to unpack on to this week's edition of All Things Elite. Yes, uh, yeah, so. Yeah, it's been a while since we recorded. I did not want this to happen, but I was, of course, in San Francisco for Revolution. I have to do better about just recording it right after the show. It's probably going to end up being what I do. Uh, Then Austin got sick. Then he was covering uh basketball so it's been uh and i think i feel like like i was gonna say it feels like forever but it's really i think only been two weeks but it's still been a long time i hate not doing the show i even told jr just right before our press record like we don't do a show this week it's just might as well end it because we can't do a once monthly show uh it's too late to do a revolution review uh, but i do want to say i really Really enjoyed the show. Absolute banger. I had three five-star matches in the show. Uh, I think uh, Mox and Hangman was my favorite. It was, to me, one of the best live matches I've ever seen. I had it at a six. I know, don't break the scale, but I did have it at a six. But yes, very, very fun pay-per-view. I have seen Brian Danielson wrestle in more one-hour matches than I think any other wrestler for me. Because I saw him go with Hangman, now MJF, and I believe those are the two hour matches in the company. And I've seen both Iron Man matches in the company. I was in Kansas City for Kenny Omega and Pac in the 30 minute Iron Man match. And now I was there for 
Brian Danielson and Hangman, uh, Brian Danielson and MJF in this uh, Iron Man match to win into overtime. So it went an hour and plus. Uh, but yeah, I've had a really good time. I've really been enjoying Dynamite. I am ramping up uh, for um, WrestleMania weekend. Me and JR will be at Supercard of Honor. So we're before we leave for Supercard of Honor, we're going to do a little preview to get you ready for that. Because I'm going to try to sprinkle in as much ROH as possible. Uh, because, you know, I mean, it's... It's Tony Khan Productions, you know what I mean? AEW and ROH. So anytime TK is putting on a big show, I'm genuinely there. Me or JR is there. So it's going to be a good time, but I just kind of wanted to catch you up. Uh, I'm losing weight. Uh, JR, buddy over here, has been supportive. Everybody has been. I've been trying not to be. I, I, I don't have to try really hard, but, you know. When you, you when people start losing weight, they start like everybody should lose weight and everybody should eat like them and everybody should be healthy. And it's just like I hate those people. As a fat person, I hate those people. And I would also hate that per hate if I became that person as someone that was not quite as fat. Because I'm not skinny by any means. I'm just not quite as fat as I was. So been really good feelings. Uh extra space in the airplane. Uh, like, yeah, and it's like just different things when you get up for the day and you don't hurt and it's just it's just weird it's just weird how you feel and it's like the last time I lost weight I don't think I appreciated all of this but since I am older and my body is creaky I am definitely appreciating uh, all the good feelings I have so we got 14 days with this being 316 we got 14 days on March 30th, uh, we will be in L.A. Uh, that first thing we're pretty much doing, other than uh, other than the WrestleMania Superstore, is we're going to do FTR live, the show uh, FTR with Dax live with all his guests. Uh, he has Cash, of course, Sean Spears, Wardlow, and Will Hobbs are the host. I mean, are the guests so far for the show, so... If you are going to be in L.A., make sure you join me and Jr. there. But I think that's all the catching up we need to do. I just want to remind you to make sure you're downloading this show on Google or Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating and review. And if you're so inclined, you can follow us at AT Elite Pod or at Social Suplex at Austin Sumowitz. That's S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And our unofficial third member, the Hulk Hogan of this group, the other guy, is Mr. JR. And where we, how can they follow you, sir? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Lucha Professor. And that is at Lucha Professor. And, you know, I try to, I do tweet sometimes about wrestling, my beloved uh, <clears throat> LA Rams, uh, LA Dodgers, as well as some motivational stuff here and there. I almost corrected you and said St. Louis Rams. Like they're not in LA anymore. Oh well. These when your team changes cities that, that, so much it's hard to keep up with. Hey, it don't start and that's the all timers kicking in right now. Yeah, I was like St. Louis Rams, you know. I was about to No, it's like you you know, 
Yeah, you and the Raiders, those damn L.A. teams can't stay put. It's like, oh, I'm in L.A., I'm in St. Louis, I'm in Oakland, I'm in Vegas. Like, what the hell? I don't know. Kansas City Chiefs, been there. Kansas City, you know what I mean? Well, unfortunately, unfortunately for you guys, unfortunately for us, we've had like three different owners, so they start all this nonsense. Yes. Oh, we're going to move. I can't wait to. I can't wait for the Salt Lake City Rams. That's gonna be fun. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna hang up right now. <laughs> like, they're they're gonna dominate the West, the Salt Lake City Rams. All right, so yeah, uh, that was that was the catch up. Uh, big news of the week, like we like to start, is there is a rumor, pretty much you know, kind of confirmed by everyone that AEW uh, and uh, Warner Brothers Discovery. A, finalizing a deal for a third weekly uh, uh, wrestling show. Uh, I think the rumored name is Collision, correct? There. That sounded what, what uh, that I'm trying to remember if it was Collision Course or just Collision, but that that I read the the similar rumor. I told you not to drink anymore, ever. No. I didn't do no such thing. The third, uh, yeah, it will be an hour, and it's possibly going to be on Saturdays. So I don't even know how I can call this news of the week because like none of, none of it's confirmed or actually officially announced. But the idea of getting a third weekly show on uh, Warner Brothers Discovery seems like that old uh, that contract renewal for Dynamite seems to be pretty much certain, right? Oh, I mean, well, first of all, it's not just a Saturday show; it's the the OG. 605 time slot going back to the days of Jim Cocker promotions on uh on TBS. That's to me is amazing because I'm a sucker for nostalgia, as everybody knows. But yeah, I mean, you think at the end of the day, you know, professional wrestling is in that weird hybrid of sport and entertainment, and the thing that generates audiences is live is live television, live sports. So. I can completely understand why Warner Brothers would want a third show, and also, and also because of the ratings it does and the you know the coveted demographics it has, and it'd be obviously more affordable than professional sports. So it's a, I think it's a big for AEW, and it's a kind of a coup for Warner Brothers to maintain and then now grow to a third show. You know, if AEW really wants their ratings to grow, you know who they need to sign? Who? Jim Parsons. That is Sheldon for all of you that don't know this. Sheld- Sheldon in, in Big Bang Theory and uh and he's the narrator, Jim Parsons narrator of Young Sheldon. Yeah. And yeah, he would fit perfectly in with best friends. Sheldon draws, baby. Sheldon draws. He's a draw. No, uh I'm actually excited about it. I grew up on Saturday wrestling. Uh, I mean before there was Monday, there was Saturday wrestling, six oh five, TBS the Superstation. Oh my God. Uh God I, I mean, honestly, Cody would be crying if he found that out, you know. Shit, he might just re-sign with AEW if he knew they were gonna get a Saturday uh Saturday six o'clock show. You know what I mean? That dude loves six oh five. I remember that NWA seventy started at six oh five. You remember that? Yes. Yeah, and that's pretty cool. Um yeah, no, uh, I'm really excited for it. Um, so they do this thing, and Dynamite, to me, every week, is the most consistently good show in professional wrestling. Like, there are very 
few less than good dynamites. They're like, they're so less than few good dynamites that people go fucking nuts when they have an average show, right? Oh, absolutely. It's like when they have an average show, like that would be on the same level as any other wrestling show where it's an average show. It's the Titanic. It's sinking. They're going out of business because they put on a regular show. That is high or high. The weekly expectations of Dynamite is. So that's good. Now, I want Saturday to be held on that level because I was promised that Rampage was going to work like a third hour of Dynamite. I mean, if it's the third hour of Dynamite, it's the first hour that nobody watches. You know what I mean? It's It has not been... I enjoy, like, Rampage is a wrestling show, but it never feels as important as Dynamite. It feels like the storylines that they don't care about go on Rampage, and it's just occasionally it, the numbers get too low and they'll throw Moxley on there or they'll throw this person on there. But it's just, it just feels like like, if they said Blackpool Combat Club is a Rampage group, right? And they're only going to be on Rampage. And I don't want this SmackDown Raw thing, but you have to give people a, uh, a reason to tune in. Like, this week, and this is March 17th on St. Patty's Day, St. Patrick's Day Slam, is actually going to be basically preempted to coming on at uh, 10 o'clock or after the NCAA tournament is over, which... I completely understand the NCAA tournament is one of the most watched sports in America. But because of that, JR, let's be honest. Are you staying up and watching the Rampage after the NCAA tournament? That would be a negative. I'm going to be asleep three hours be when the show comes on. Right, let's be real. I'm going to already have been asleep sleep three hours. So the best I'm going to do is watch it on DVR the next day. So that's what I'm like. It's going to have to have strong DVR numbers. So I don't know. Uh, we'll go over the card a little later for that show. But, yeah, we're going to jump into Dynamite. Uh, before we do that, JR, what are your thoughts on the third hour? What do you want to see from the third hour? And this is one of your times. Be long-winded. What do you want to see for um, this third show that AEW is bringing on Saturday nights? You know, um, it's kind of hard for me because I I grew up on 605 was a lot different. It was more of a standalone show this, uh, when WCW Saturday Night compared to what um, Jim Crockett did back in the 80s with the 605 time slot. The, at the end of the day, though, the sh- Dynamite is your, let's use the, the alphabet, is your A show. And even though Rampage is your B show, it doesn't mean that it can't be at a at a quality that's higher than it's at right now. And I know that 10 o'clock time slot really hurts them because it's 10 o'clock on a Friday. That's a really bad time slot. Um, that's honestly where, in my opinion, network television, if they put sh- shows on that time slot, it's like, we expect you to die. And we're not going to renew you after season one. And so it's a tough time slot, but... That show doesn't do enough, in my opinion, to build, like, to make you say, hey, I'm here to see Dynamite next week, which was similar to how I felt when wrestling was at its best, was Friday night SmackDown, or excuse me, at that time was Thursday SmackDown, would build towards Monday Raw. And I think that's what Rampage should do. And I also think that's what the 605 time slot on Saturday is, is like, hey, you actually, in some ways, Rampage could be, that's like the way Rampage is, should be for 
that Saturday where it's we're gonna have maybe one marquee match and we're gonna have a few, you know, for lack of a better term, squash matches. But um, you also want to make sure you do like clips and sound bites about dynamite. So that way people would be like, oh shit, like I gotta turn into dynamite next week because of what happened last week. That's what I think I want it to be. It's like you're gonna showcase a few talent, but you also need to sell them to make sure they tune into Dynamite on Wednesday. And that's what I'm like. I want things that happen. Uh, I want things to happen on Dynamite to affect what's going to happen on Rampage. And then I want what happened on Rampage to affect what's going to happen on the Saturday show. And I want something to happen on the Saturday show to affect what happens on Dynamite. And vice versa. Vice versa. I mean, you can all get where I'm going. It's just they should feel like a more of a, you know, like, you know, they live off each other. More organic. It's like you have to watch all every show to keep up with it. So that's what I want uh, from the show. But that's enough talk about this hypothetical third show. Let's talk about the real dynamite that happened this Wednesday, March 15th, live from the home of professional wrestling, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. I'm talking about... You got Kenny Omega, the god of professional wrestling. You have you have Chris Jericho, Mr. Don't Miss. And you have one of the greatest managers of all time, Don Callis, all from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Five stars all around. And this crowd was hot. The crowd was hot. What did you think of the crowd, sir? Canadian crowd. They were, I mean, they were were completely into it and this is one of the things that i tell people a lot you know i think us in america when it comes to the major professional wrestling with wwe and aw we're spoiled because it's here in america so we're pretty much guaranteed we're going to see them for a specific amount of time a year other countries including canada they get those shows a lot less frequently so for them it's a big deal for the you know to see a show like dynamite and that's why they're always hot and they stay hot because of it's like they're appreciating the fact that this show finally come came to their city. Absolutely. I am. Uh, yeah, I was very excited for it. Uh, more Canadian shows. We're going to get them. Believe me, we're going to get them. We're going to talk about that later. But we're definitely getting more Canadian shows this uh, this year. And hopefully Canada and the crowd is in love. But this first segment, honestly, this was probably my favorite non-wrestling segment in AEW. And I'd say at least a year. So the show opens with the AEW world champion MJF's re-bar mitzvah celebration. Tony Schiavone is completely crapping on this rebar mitzvah. He's like, apparently, if when he looked it up, you have to be 83 before you can be bar mitzvah again. But MJF, on his legit birthday, March 15th, 2023, his legit birthday, 27-year-old world champion, probably the youngest world champion in professional wrestling currently, youngest, definitely the youngest AEW world champion in history, uh, MJF said, cut my music. We're here to celebrate the most important day in recorded history, my birthday. 
after March 5th when I tapped out your boy Daniel Bryan to go on to uh, retain the most important championship in pro wrestling. I am no longer a man. I am Iron Man. So it's time to celebrate my rebar mitzvah. As soon as he's about to get started, that music hits. It's Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. So he comes out to the ring. And as Jungle Boy says, so... And then Sammy Guevara's music hits and begins to play. Sammy walked to the ring to join MJF. And then Sammy says, Max, oh, Max. And then Darby Allen's music came to play. And Darby Allen, uh, Darby came to the ring. So we're going to pause right here for me and JR to take our little victory lap. After last week on Rampage, I said, JR... They, he was like, they were like, someone was like, who's MJF's next opponent? I was able to tell my good friend JR because we talk incessantly and way too much, just crazy amounts. I was like, it's going to be MJF and Darby Allen. They're both going to have it. Maybe we get a triple threat at uh, Double or Nothing. So, right before the show starts, I'm talking 6.58 Central Time. Uh, I mean, 6.55 Central Time. 4.55 Pacific. JR's like, you know what? I got an idea. What if Sammy comes out and they have all four pillars? So he took my idea. He added a little bit. And I was like, man, that would be pretty cool. But I think my idea is going to happen, of course, because I like to be right. We are wrestling fans. But guess what? We both ended up being right. All four pillars are in the ring. Uh, cut, cut it, cut it. Cut it. No, no, no. See, you guys are ruining my rebar mitzvah, says MJF. What do you guys want? All three at the same time in the cutest thing in wrestling history said, we want a championship match. Jungle Boy, I'm not going to go through these individually. Jungle Boy cuts his promo, basically calling Max a piece of crap. Sammy Guevara cuts Honestly, a super babyface promo until he called the Canadian stupid at the end. And he says everything he doesn't like about Max. Now, Darby, I will go into because this one's kind of controversial. Uh, she said, Max, enough. It's my turn. My first day, day at pro wrestling school, he goes about being the smallest person there. He's like, he doesn't want to change anything about himself. And he says he told Connie, Tony Khan there will never be a bidding war for Darby Allen. AEW means a whole lot more than it's ever meant to you. You know what I'm going to do if you don't give me a championship match. I'm going to beat your head in with the skateboard and take you down with the headlock. What that means, well, to clarify, because it's not summarizing here, he basically said, and honestly, I think it's edited because he kind of ran down the company to a point. He talked about all the people from AEW that get online and complain. Uh, he uh, basically said, you know, MJF never worked for anything. He holds the company hostage. And it was uh, it was interesting. And I'm going to stop here, JR. So we, we kind of heard some shots taken at dark and elevation and uh, you know, other people on the roster here. We got some inside baseball. Uh, do you do you have any thoughts on this? Well, uh, a few things. Number one, this is when you and I start following AEW, 
even when we were talking to each other back in 2019 with the first double or nothing, and you started seeing the show came out, I feel like we knew two things that guys like Cody and the Young Bucks and Kenny and Pac and Jericho, the more established stars because of their namesakes, whether it was from WWE or New Japan, they were going to be the stars of the show. But the question became is, is, is who is going to be the future of this company? And we immediately saw things. We saw MJF um, and his inner workings in the beginning. We saw Jungle Boy and the stuff that he did with the inner circle with Jurassic Express in the beginning. Sammy Guevara, obviously, with his work. And then we saw Darby between his work that he did with Cody and matches. Um, and then him also built, being built up um, during the next year with, you know, the pandemic year of wrestling. And it's like, these are the guys that we think, you know, in our minds before we, the name of the four pillars ever came out, that would be the ones to take the torch from the established stars. And it's like, you know, we keep saying it's going to be in a few years. It's going to be in a few years, especially with MJF when he, in this, within the first year, he got a title shot against Moxley. It's like, it's too soon. It's too soon. His time will come. Now we're at that point where, okay, hopefully your investments, Tony Khan, that you put into these four guys is going to pay off because these are supposed to be your next main eventers. And so that's what, for me, that's the first thing I got out of it. Like, this is the next step. This is this, the four-year waiting period we were, that had took place that we got to. I think... They said the one thing that, excuse me, I'm stammering. I'm, st- ah, I'm sorry, I'm stammering. The thing that got me um, was with AEW, I think they hit things that the fans already kind of know because AEW fans are smart fans within the internet wrestling community. So we know that, hey, not everybody watches Dark because they think it's squash matches, which kind of what Jungle Boy alludes to. There was pot shots about fiancé situation. We know between MJF with his recent promos with Brian Danielson and Sammy Guevara's history, people know about it. It's about being real. Darby Allen, why do we like Darby Allen? Because he's an alternative. He's not the type of guy that would go to Connecticut. He is a guy that was born and made for AEW. So I think they were saying real things, and that's what that's what attracts fans to AEW is that realism and knowing like, hey, don't treat us as being dumb. We're smart. We know a few things based on what gets out there. So I enjoyed all that because that's what they needed, in my opinion, uh, to move this forward. So after, after, you know, we get to the end, I don't, uh, the next question becomes, we're about two and three weeks around there from double or nothing. How, how does the work shake out with these four men heading towards Las Vegas in the T-Mobile arena? Yeah, my whole thought, uh, our thought process is whether it's going to be like, do is it uh, going to be, um, is is it going to be end up being a fatal four way, or is it just you know, uh, or is it going to be um, what am I trying to think of, or if it's going to be one on one, or if any of these three people are even getting a title shot at all? I mean, that's the whole thing about double or nothing. 
It's not till the end of May. That's two and a half months. There's a way he could get rid of these three and be building to another opponent by then. You know what I mean? There's a lot of ways this can go. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, uh, MJF's like, I've beaten every one of you in singles competition. You think of this, uh, you deserve a shot at my championship. Now nah, I'm going to eat my, I'm going to eat my cake. Thank you. Screw you. Bye. Max was knocked out of the ring. Jungle boy, I think took the first shot. Then he got knocked out of the ring right into his cake. I mean, honestly, it's wrestling. If there's a cake anywhere near the ring in wrestling, someone's going through it. Otherwise there's no point of having a cake, right? JR. Absolutely. I don't know if there's ever we're going back to the 80s when this happened in Mid-South. I don't know any time in wrestling there was a cake that people maybe Miss Elizabeth and Randy Macho Man Savage Wedding is SummerSlam 91. That may have been the only time I think about that a cake wasn't messed with in wrestling. Okay, so I'm throwing this out there to whoever wins the AW World Title next. Uh may be my prediction, Adam Cole or whoever. After you win the title, bring out several cakes, cut it, and get it to the people in the stands without anyone going through it. Just completely crap on the idea that every time there's a cake, somebody has to go through it. That would be amazing. And you know what would be even more amazing, JR? What's that? If I'm there to get a piece of that cake. I like it. Because I like cake. I mean, it's it's actually my weakness. It is my. I am not Superman. But it is very much my kryptonite. Uh, trios, trios, trios match. Next up, Hangman Adam Page in the Dark Order, uh, with uh, which is Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, who was, from what I understand, not fully signed to AEW at the time. He was on a per appearance uh, basis, but we did get some good news tonight after this match, and they were wrestling the Blackpool Combat Club. Combination of John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, and ROH Pure Champion Wheeler Yuta. So uh, I'm just gonna skip to the end because I'm not going through all of the match. BCC is isolate, isolated, isolated to Grayson, and then Moxley tapped out Grayson with the Bulldog choke. Moxley held on to the choke after the match. Evil Uno jumped into the ring to come to his friend's aid, and the BCC triple teamed him. John Silver and Alex Reynolds ran down to the ring, and the BCC retreated through the crowd. What did you think of this match, sir? I enjoyed it. You know, we we t- I said this a, a month ago about Evil Uno, but we knew for a while Super Smash Brothers had a name for being the best tag team in wrestling before the Young Bucks. And so, you know, getting a chance to see them, and I don't think we got their full potential in the beginning of AEW uh, because it just didn't feel like we were getting the best of them. But when you're seeing the way this match was developing with Moxley and Wheeler and Claudio, it was like, yeah, these guys are pretty fucking good. I mean, let's be, let's be real. And, um, it's good to see them being able to open up. And a lot of people are saying like, they need to get, they need to be in the mix for the tag team division. It's just, it's, we don't know where it goes from here because for so long, while we've loved the dark order, they've always kind of been treated like the B squad and like, propelling hangman adam page for over a year and not being seen as serious contenders and i hope you know and let's see where it comes from that after this match 
Yeah, that's um I like I love this match. Super physical. Evil Uno with his uh sh- uh shirt open and fighting. He kind of, you know, he has a tough guy vibe, you know. He 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 really is I think I've seen him uh really shining in this type of match, in this style, this physical just beat the crap out of you style and it's it was fun. Blackpool Combat Club who was mostly tweeners, uh, they are full on heels now. There is, if any, there is no doubt about it. Beating up people without the match, they are full on heels. Uh, I think this is very natural progression for where they were. They've taken some big losses. They didn't get. They didn't got a little angry. So yeah. Um, so um, I I have been of the opinion when Brian Danielson last week was talking about. Uh, going home. I was like, it wasn't to Ring of Honor, like a lot of people speculated. I think it's uh going home to the Blackpool Combat Club. So I think Danielson will be back sooner rather than later. We will see. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, looking forward to um, looking forward to seeing how this shakes up. Next, uh, next match we get a big moment. We get Jay Cargill, and she's gonna be wrestling a Canadian challenger. And it turns out to be Canadian legend, something world champion in Canada. I just don't care. It was Nicole Matthews. I think I've seen her on Dark or whatever. I don't know. I've seen Nicole Matthews. I've heard of her name. I can't say I know anything about her. But she was Jade's challenger. As you might expect, Jade won the match in like a minute and a half, which was like very disappointing. I'm like, me and JR is like, they were building up this Canadian person, and this is what we got. And then Renee Pat- a cat got in the ring, and just like with FTR, we knew at that point what was about to go down. Uh, you know, Jade's like, "This is all Canada has to offer." She's like, "Renee, you're from Canada, right?" And she backs her up in the corner, grabs the mic, starts talking some crap, and then music hits that I'm not really familiar with, but. With the name pops up on the screen, Taya Valkyrie. Uh, okay. And she comes out to the ring. Taya Valkyrie announced the signing with AEW. Uh, she gets in Jade's face. She's wearing some boots, so she's like as tall as Jade. It's kind of cool. And uh, Jade just dismisses her and goes out the ring. Layla Gray tries to attack Taya. Then she gets... Uh, what does Taya call that move? But it's... the uh, what does Jay call the move? Why is my brain frying right now? The glam slam. I know it's called the glam slam. What does Jay call the move, sir? I legitimately don't know. Well, she does Jade's move, which is also Ty's move, on Layla Gray, and and Jay looks like she's about to get in the fight because someone just told her move, and uh, yeah, it's jaded. That's what the move is called, jaded. She hits her with Jaded, but I believe Ty Valkyrie does the same move as her. Her her move is called the Road to Valhalla. Yeah, but it's the same move, right? Yes. Okay. So she hits the Road to Valhalla on uh, Layla Gray. And yeah, so AW signs Ty Valkyrie. Ty Valkyrie is the secret Canadian. What do you think? Just give me a whole idea of what you think about this segment. Well... Nicole Matthews, from my understanding, she is a shimmer. Shimmer is one of the big 
women's promotions. Um, I believe here in America, veteran. So uh, there were people like I was like, I wanted more information. They they popped when they saw her. They, you know, and that she's been wrestling for a while. Um, she was listed as a four-time elite Canadian champions championship wrestling women's champion, elite Canadian championship wrestling women's champion, four-time, and um, you know, and she got obviously he said squashed, and we that led to Taya, and I know going into the week we kept hearing oh well, I want to see Canada's best, and people were saying oh it's pro- you know Taya Valkyrie, maybe it's Lofisto who's a, a legend on the independent scene and um a, a tough as Nell's uh, wrestler, and I think we even said the bunny because the bunny's also from Canada, so the good thing is that. I'm glad it wasn't Taya because Taya isn't somebody who just shouldn't just get a one like a loss and then moved on from. I've enjoyed Taya's work for a while. She's a badass. She's no nonsense, tough, gritty, had a great, great runs in AAA. Um, I first saw her at Lucha Underground because she was working with AAA at the time that was putting on the Lucha Underground. She, you know, runs an impact. Unfortunately, did not work well in you know with WWE, but I think she's just an amazing talent and is is a big strong woman that can go up against Jade and and wrestle and I hope that you know they do this leads to a match at double or nothing because um, you know we keep talking about I think at this point of who's going to defeat Jade, but whoever defeats Jade is going to be a a star because Jade's over and. You're going to be the one in whatever and one it is at the time that happens. Yeah, I think, I mean, I am of the opinion Taya should be the person. Um, I like, I don't know, maybe she loses to her first and then comes back and gets the win. They should do something to make a change. But I, I, I think Taya, like Taya or Chris Statlander. I mean, Chris Statlander was the long thought. It should be one of those two. I've enjoyed Jade's run. I think Jade is the most impressive looking wrestler there is, period. Just like her look is one of one. You'd be like, oh, Jade looks like there is no comparison. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to this. But at this point, those um, undefeated streaks can kind of become an albatross. And then there's no right way to end it. So I hope, you know, you want to kind of get rid of the undefeated streak and move on from that and let her uh, let her uh, evolve more outside of the streak. Um, Taya coming out. I am probably going to be the only one you hear with this opinion. She looked like a geek. Like if you had never seen Taya come out, she comes out to this music you never heard of. And she's like mouthing along to the words of her song and kind of dancing and stuff. And I'm just like, it didn't like when Taya Valkyrie comes out and impact when she came out on, when she made her appearance on NXT and, and these are me when I, she comes out and she has the feathers and she's in the costume and it's just this big moment. And you like, Oh my God, that's a star, right? That's someone that can beat the top champion in my company. Do you are you under do you do you know the moments I'm talking about, right? Yes. 
And she just like when she was her name in WWE or Impact, she just comes out. And she has the feathers and she's doing the thing. She has her whole presentation. And he's like, that chick's going to be a champion, right? I'm saying first time coming in, it's like this chick comes out. This music you never heard of says Ty Valkyrie. Some people never heard of her, right? And then it's like, oh, and she's singing along to her song that no one knows. Right? She's the only one singing it. No one knows, right? And it's just like, she kind of looked like a geek. It's like, can it be repaired? Absolutely. But I'm just saying, first impression, I think it was kind of rough. What do you think of my opinion on that, sir? Uh, I think that's your opinion, and you're entitled to it. You don't agree with it, of course, right? I, I, Ty has always had this kind of swagger about her that's kind of, um, for lack of a better word, kind of like Hollywood-ish. I, I don't, I mean, I, I know what you're saying. I, I don't think it affected her. I think also because people popped that Ty showed up in WWE, in a, excuse me, in AEW. So, um, and I think they want to see her succeed because of how hardworking she is. So, uh, like I said, I, I, I know what you're saying. Um, I, I don't agree with it. No, I don't and, and, and that's fine. Like I said, that's why I prefaced it. Well, I'm probably the only one that thought that when I saw it. I just didn't feel like we were getting the full Ty of Valkyrie presentation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so whatever. Yes, uh, that's, that is Floyd's uh, lame-ass opinion of the week. Uh, uh, I will come back with at least one more every week. Um, in the next segment, we have Tony Schiavone interviewing absolute Ricky Starks in the back. Starks says, Juice Robinson, what have you ever done? Come on, bring it anytime, anyplace. That was the synopsis. He did make fun of the Bullet Club. He's like, I keep getting in fights with gangs and groups. He said, maybe I'm a little slow. Uh, Ricky, Ricky's really good at the promo. Um, what do you think about the potential? What do you think about the segment? What do you think about a potential Ricky Starks versus Juice Robinson feud? Um, I like, you know, Juice Robinson, I used the term earlier, it's true. Like since he got his, since he's always had, um, a charismatic demeanor about him. That's very unique and quirky in his own way that works for him. And then even switching to a heel, rock hard you know he's still able to do that ricky starks tons of charisma you know i I just enjoy what he says i think they're i think this is a good one you know and i'm trying to be unbiased as much as possible i enjoy both their works i enjoyed juice robinson's work in within new japan when he was in ring of honor and i enjoyed ricky starks work since he was in nwa and i think they're both charismatic they both you know i think mesh well together in the sense of um the ability to have a, a feud or rivalry i think it's one of those things where the both these guys are uh in that mid-card area and you know and trying to shoot towards the upper echelon of that inside getting into a main event um a main event slot i mean this is something that if one of them had a belt you know you would say oh this could be a main event battle of the belts it's something that you could gear towards being um, you want to talk about, you know, re- renovating Rampage and making scene, you know, can't miss. This would be a, a match that you should put on Rampage so people tune in and watch it. Absolutely. That would be uh, really cool. Um, I am excited for this match. I 
since Juice Robinson left WWE years ago, I mean, honestly, I think Cody, Cody and Juice were pretty close. I think Juice left before Cody, right? Because Juice went back into the dojo. He cut his hair. Did the, I mean? He, I don't think he cut his hair, but he did the whole dojo thing in New Japan. He really learned how to work differently, and you know, I I'm more impressed with him every time that I see him wrestle. I like heel new attitude juice the best. You know, he was flamboyant, but I like this like angrier uh, juice, and I like that he just you know pick Ricky Starks. Like if there's a fifth pillar. You know, on the men's side, you would have to assume it's Ricky Starks. Like, they named the pillars before Ricky Starks got signed there, you know. And it was just like, I think he is just as hot as any of those five stars. So, I am looking forward to what they do with this. How does the Bullet Club work in it? Do we get some Finn, do we get Finn juice? Do we get more Bullet Club crossover? Do we get people in AEW joining the Bullet Club? I th Which would be like Juice's version of the Bullet Club which I think would be interesting. It's a lot of stuff, a lot of possibilities going with this feud, but when they do have a match, it's going to be really good. So that's the most important part. Then we get the debut of QTV with TNT champion Powerhouse Hobbs and QT Marshall. <coughs> Footage was shown of Aaron Solo breaking into Warlow's car and stealing the championship. QT was the one that orchestrated the whole break-in, and Will Hobbs... Uh, got up and said that uh, welcome to uh, welcome to Will's era, their bitch, to Wardlow, and yeah, um, one of the and I and I don't mean this in a negative way. Most people know that I do watch both companies pretty religiously, so I don't mean. But this was a very WWE-ish segment. Do you agree with that? I believe this is what somebody does to try to attract a certain crowd which is what wwe does and so uh i don't i think people like will hobbs i know people love will hobbs i don't think they like this and if they said they did it i think they're lying because this is the thing in my opinion what people love about AEW that AEW doesn't do is stuff like this but i was prefaced by saying this I didn't think they would like the whole MJF Jericho medium rare rare steak bit, and they seemed to think it was the greatest thing ever. So what do I know? I thought this segment was truly funny. It was a uh, it was a uh, a spoof or well, not, I wouldn't call it a spoof because they weren't the only one making fun of it, but it was a play on what's that TV show that comes? Uh, what's it called? Uh, it's got the really popular site where they drop TMZ. TMZ. It was a play on the TMZ TV show. Yes. And then, you know, uh, shout out to Harley Cameron. Uh, fan. I'm a fan. That's all I got to say. Uh, two thumbs up from old Floyd over here. And, and, you know, they just had the set up there and Aaron Solo's on TV. And apparently uh, uh, RJ City was in the back. Did you see that? No, I did not see that. I'm just saying. I'm going to tell you. Am I just Floyd's world? If Harley Cameron's in the screen, I'm not seeing what's behind her. Just going to say that. Uh, So, yeah. So, yeah. I didn't see anything other, you know. And then Will was looking menacing as possible. I like Will's Will with this group. I think he can talk himself. 
But I think Will is of the Brock Lesnar, the Bobby Lashley, that type of presentation, that his presentation is much stronger when he has a manager. Your opinion? Oh, no, I, I do agree on that. I think um, he is somebody who can get over without needing to have a promo just stand there, especially because it has great facial features. The one thing I will say, and this is like, I kind of have to give onus to Dax with his podcast for bringing this up. There is something to be said though, for giving them opportunities to speak and do things like this, because it allows them to show that they're more than just a, a specific talent. So, why I think I don't wouldn't want Will Hobbs to do things like this. At the same time, I think it's potentially part of his growth. And it took 20 years to get there. Um, but I mean, you see the same thing with Brock Lesnar. He was taken serious for so long because of his background, and now he's got doing comedic stuff. So I can I can also see the justification for trying to do stuff like this with Will Hobbs. All right. Next up we had the A the newly AEW International Championship match. Orange Cassidy comes out. He grabs the new belt. Uh, he puts it in the bag. He takes the old belt out and he puts it on on the stand and then he hands it to the referee. I mean, come on, dude. I'm like, I think there are a lot of people that really, really understand who their character is. I'm talking Cody Rhodes and his American Nightmare, Roman Reigns in his God mode right now. Brian Danielson at all times of every point in his career. The Undertaker. I don't, I mean, I put Orange Cassidy on that level of understanding his character. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like, he doesn't do anything his character wouldn't do. Everything. This is what his character does. He doesn't care about a lot, but he cares about this belt. So he's like, oh, I'm going to put that now. It just goes in the bag. I don't care about this old belt. This is my belt now. And then he goes in with Jeff Jarrett. And let me tell you, every week they book Jeff Jarrett. Every week I read 100 people, 200 people like, oh, I don't want to see Jeff Jarrett wrestle. Every time Jeff Jarrett wrestles at the end of the match, everybody's like, Man, that was a good match. Man, that was a fun match. Man, I really enjoyed that match. I hate to say it, but it was a fun match. Jeff Jarrett did it again, right? Jeff Jarrett, at the end of the day, whether people want to deny it or not, and I know um, he is a professional wrestler's wrestler. He's been around since the 80s. He's been, he, in my opinion, and I, you and I kind of broke this down, he is Rey Mysterio for Americans because he was came from a, that family background uh, where his father was involved in the wrestling business started at such a young age. I, I think you and I did the math that it was like in his teens, like by the time he got to, by the time he got to like NWA TNA in 2002, he was in his mid thirties. He did wrestling for like at least 15 years by that point. Yeah. And people talk about like, talk about him. Like he was burying people, but dude, According to wrestlers, he was in his wrestling prime. He wasn't supposed to be losing at that time, but he had been on the top so long, like in that, like almost at that level, WCW champion, everything. It felt like he was 52 years old, but he's now just turning that age. The dude's like the oldest young, the young, youngest old guy in history. So 
it's kind of crazy when you think about it like that. I just thought I heard a beep or something that went on. If you heard me just like stop talking for a minute, it was like something happened outside. Maybe I got too excited on what I was doing or whatever. But back to that. Um, yeah. So there was a lot of interference. Uh, there's a lot of interference. Like I couldn't even go through all the interference. Everybody in Jared's crew, Satnam Singh, J, uh, J, uh, Satnam Singh, um, what Sanjay Dutt, Jay Lethal with the fake arm sling hitting Orange Cassidy with the trophy. Then you had uh, uh, Trent come out. Uh, Chucky e. T did not come out because Chucky e. T had emergency dental surgery. So he was not in Canada. His face was all wrapped up and swollen from emergency dental surgery. So unfortunately in this case, when I always say faces have no friends, face just didn't have a healthy friend at this case. So, um, But yeah, uh, in the end... Oh, Orange Cassidy hit uh, uh, Jeff Jarrett with the orange punch and pinned him with the AEW uh, Atlantic All Atlantic title retired. Orange Cassidy becomes the first AEW International Champion again. There is no other way I can describe that match other than fun. It was like it had no business being as entertaining as it was, right? Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where I think people see Orange Cassidy and it's like, this guy's a goof. But then you remember he can wrestle. And he has somebody in Jarrett who's a, who's a great wrestler. And their styles, you know, complement one another because you need Jarrett. Because Jeff Jarrett is like a sniveling heel. And so that works with what Orange Cassidy does to get underneath the skin. And just the way, you know, the dynamic works out. And Sanjay does, you know, people give him shit. But he what he does as a manager is also brilliant. You have Singh as like as the hitman, essentially, you know, the hired bodyguard. So that works as well. And I, yeah, I wanted to also say this um, about Jeff Jarrett because you brought it up. Everybody's like, I don't want to see Jeff Jarrett wrestler. Let me tell you what: if you don't want to see Jeff Jarrett wrestler wrestle, quit saying, "Thank God he beat that Orange Cassidy beat Jeff Jarrett," or "Thank God this," because what he's doing, he's eliciting a reaction to you to you. That's not telling people you don't want to see them wrestle. That's them saying, I'm tired of you. I want to see you get your ass kicked so I don't see you again. And then when he comes back, you want to see the next guy kick his ass. That guy doesn't have heat in the sense of, like, go away. Go away heat. He gets heat because you want to see him get his ass kicked. And that works. And that's why he keeps getting put in these situations. I mean, yeah. It's like the idea that, you know, being able to get booed, being able to be hated on. Uh, that is, uh, that is Jeff Jarrett's good at drawing heat. That's what he's doing. He mean old school heat, not like go away heat or I hate, you know, like this is stupid heat. Just and, fun. And think heat. about, think about everybody he's wrestled from whether it was Jerry Lawler in Memphis to, uh, Razor Ramon, AKA late Scott Hall, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels and WWF. To WCW, whether it was it could, everybody from Dalmandau's page to Sting to Flair and everybody in between through TNA with um, everybody from Samoa Joe and AJ Styles um, in that company uh, and then to now where he's at today. So he's wrestled so many people who have had so many different styles. That's what also makes him be the worker that he is in AEW because he could adapt to anybody, whether it was Darby Allen and Sting or it's Orange Cassidy. 
absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, it's like Jeff Jarrett. I, I was like when they when he started wrestling, I was like I groaned. I was one of the groaners. I was like I I don't I, I don't I don't know why we're doing this. I, I like I don't know why this is going on, and now I do know why this is going on because he's very entertaining. And it's like when you you got a two hour TV show to get on, the match that they had is the type of match you need to have. Uh, next we had a. Entering segment with the outcast Ruby Soho, Tony Storm, and Soraya. Uh, Soraya got in trouble. Soraya got in trouble. She said twat on national TV, sir. She said twat. Yeah, that's a bad girl. They can get an FCC fine. Yeah, you're not allowed to say twat on national TV. You can't say twat on this podcast, but you cannot say twat on national TV. That's how you get fined. Uh, but in this segment, it was the standard statement of us taking over promo, correct? Well, then you also add in the fact that you basically called out every single online, uh, Mark, Neckbeard, and everybody under the gun that has given her shit for the last so many years, so that too. I mean, yeah, so, yeah, and I mean, you know, like, uh, even Tony Storm said, listen, fat people, I'm like, I love it. Old school heel. Love it. Uh, she's like, no one appreciated him. I mean, they actually, Tony Storm and Tony Storm and Ruby Soho and Soraya pretty much had the same kind of experience when they came in. They came in. Everybody loved them. Uh, Ruby won that, uh, won the Battle Royal. Everyone loved her. And, I don't feel like the crowd actually turned on her, but she did just become another person. Soraya, they turned on. Tony Storm, they turned on. You know, it was like, you're not our people. We don't want you. You are, in essence, outcasts. So this is one of the most organic storylines in wrestling. This was like, I think Soraya was going to be like Punk. I think she was going to be the women's champion. I think they were ready to get behind her, right? Well, so the, I think that with Ruby Riot and Tony Storm is different than Soraya. I think what happened with them is they came into fanfare, and I don't think, I think people expected them to quickly, like, be the one to defeat Jade Cargill for one, or that they were going to get the belt. Essentially, uh, we end up seeing Tony Storm, but Tony's reign as interim AEW Women's Champion was just very like just weird and chaotic like it just there was it wasn't as smooth as and successful as i think people wanted to be soraya got the heat because of them of her basically saying this is my house i built this thing and Britt baker the beloved bit breaker first woman ever signed by aw says nah nah wait, wait a minute mofo like this is i built this place I was number one, not you. And that's where they got crossed with Soraya. And that's how it worked out. Um, and I rambled and I forgot your question that you would ask. I, I forgot my question. I didn't ask too. I like, uh, but I think you answered it at some point in there. Um, uh, but to wrap up the segment, Jamie and Britt came down. They got beat up. Shockingly, two people run down the fight three and the three people win. I'm shocked by this. Uh, while they're getting spray painted, 
Music hits and it's Rio, Rio, Sky Blue, and Willow Nightingale sprinting down to the ring, and the outcast, like the heels they are, retreated. So I thought this was a successful segment. I thought it was a segment that kind of, you know, like the women's division needed. Uh, you know, like uh, they are establishing an actual feud. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to what goes on next. Um, then uh, main event time, AEW World Trios Championship match. We got the House of Black with Buddy Matthews, Malachi Black, and Brody King. Versus the elite Kenny Omega, Young Bucks, and the Nick, uh, Young Bucks, Nick Jackson, and Matt Jackson. Versus the Jericho Appreciation Society, Winnipeg's own Chris Jericho, Daniel Garcia, and Sammy Guevara. Now, I was talking to my friend Jason. Some of y'all might hear heard of this name before. Well, Jason said today, he's like, man, let me tell you something about the House of Black. You look at them. Brody King, monster. Like Buddy Matthews, jacked is out of the gills. And then Malachi Black, right? And he's like, I don't see how you can even buy them losing to any of these other two teams. Now, I will tell you, Jason is very much a casual fan. Jason is a, you know, like when the NCAA tournament's on or whatever, Jason's not watching. He's got other stuff. So when I'm talking, when I say this is a casual fan, this guy says this. And I even made the comment, it looked like Brody King could eat the elite and Jericho Appreciation Society by himself and still have room to, uh, or still have room in his stomach. But, yeah, I, it was just funny that that's the visual that he got from this match. Uh, three amazing tag teams here. Um, we get, uh, let's get to the end. Brody rammed Daniel and Sammy with cannonball centaurs in the corner, corner turnbuckle. The Hassel Black swarmed Jericho. They spiked Jericho with Dante's Inferno. Brody covered Jericho for the pin attempt. Omega broke it up. Jericho grabbed a baseball bat and cracked Brody in the face with it while the ref was distracted. Malachi Black smacked Jericho with a back heel kick. The ha uh, House of Black finished off Garcia with Dante's Inferno and pinned him. Uh, yeah, so the House of Black wins this triple threat trios match. Now, I will say this. I'm going to say say my bit first. I, I, I like this match. It was fun. But there are, it was a lot to keep up with for me, personally. The triple threat trios match might be a, nine people in the ring wrestling or uh, somewhere around. I think it might be a little much for me. You know, I think uh, I've never been really a trios fan until AEW came along and showed me how to do it right. But a triple threat trios, I think that's a little much for me. So, uh, yeah, while I enjoyed the match and it was fun, it just like if it was a bit overwhelming for me, even as a wrestling fan of however many years, it was a little overwhelming with the amount of stuff that was going on. Uh, your your thoughts, Jr. Yeah, you know, essentially the hard part is that with the way the style of the Young Bucks and Kenny and the style um, that Sammy Guevara could bring into it, and the unorthodox styles of like of Malachi what essentially happens is you could have potentially four you know four maybe even five different like area like situations where something's going on with everybody you know if, if you think about if everybody kind of pairs off that's four fights at once so and then like it's just a lot especially because of the 
the action pack of it. And it's, you know, it's, it's very hard to try to like, you're excited and you're pumped cause you're seeing crazy stuff, but then it's kind of also hard to digest of all of it at once. Um, but at, I will also say that I was thinking about this and we use the term a lot, pay-per-view quality, you know, television, but when you, um, this is kind of like the listening to old school wrestlers, when you go into a town and I'm going to kind of take what they said and twist and turn it. And um, for this purpose, this is the first time that you can make a statement and you want to put something out there. People go, holy crap, that was amazing. You know what? Next time they come into my town, I want to make sure I'm there. And then that way that the house is bigger for the next trip and the gate revenue is bigger for the next trip. And I think that's what this match was for. Um, because if you think about it, you essentially, you took, you use two potential feuds and you put them in for, we'll use like the insider term hot shotted to get this one trios match for Winnipeg. But it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, but they plan on coming back and they hope with the pres the presentation of Jericho and Kenny, their, their hometown heroes, as well as the presentation of a talent like the House of Black, that the next time they come in, it's like, you know what? Whatever the house is right now, we'll do 20% more next time. And I I think that was the significance of this match. Yes. Uh that was the, the it was like I said, it was a fun match. It was an entertaining match, don't get me wrong. I just like I don't know if I could grade it because I don't think I know everything that actually happened. Um then what am I going to uh, see? Oh, yes. So how the show ended. Uh, the Dark Order and Adam Page and the Blackpool Combat Club brawled from the back all the way to the ring. The Blackpool Combat Club had Hangman outnumbered in the ring until the elite jumped in. And as the show was going off, uh, Hangman sees he's in the ring and the Blackpool Combat Club is joining in. And then all of a sudden, Kenny Omega and the elite are behind Hangman. And he doesn't know why the Blackpool Combat Club is backing off. And as he's about to turn around, the show goes off the air. And that was actually brilliantly done. I thought that was great. A great cliffhanger. What did you think? Uh, just a little bit longer on the cliffhanger. Because we got, I mean, just a, about four seconds longer. Because I feel like as, as Hangman was turning his head, it went off the air. Like that's what I that's that's what I wanted. I don't no, want us to see who Hangman saw yet. Um, that's what makes it. That's what makes it a cliffhanger. Once you see it, once no, he turns well, around and sees it, it's not, not a cliffhanger. It's not him looking at him. It's the what happens after he looks at him is what the cliffhanger you're waiting for. Okay, okay. Because you know he sees them. Because yeah. he does see them, but it's just just enough for that for him to realize. Oh, you realize he sees them, and then it's gone. And then you're like, oh, that. See, that is the stuff you do so that way they make sure they turn in to next. And I think, it, you know, that turns it into next week. But um, I, your mind's playing a million miles an hour with the way the show is like. Oh my god, what, wait a minute, what's gonna happen? The Hangman's gonna join Elite, but wait a minute, are they done with Jericho? However. You know, how's this work? Because Hangman's kind of feuding with, with the Blackpool Combat Club. What about Dark Order? Like, there is a, so much to digest with the way that this ended. 
Yes, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a crazy episode of Dynamite. Fun. I even I told my friend uh, again, not an insult. WWE ish episode. There was a lot of story promos, a lot of interference. You know, it was just you know it was a lot like a lot building to what's next instead of you know like developing inside the show. It was a lot of what's next. I mean, like MJF. He either set the table for a fatal four-way at double or nothing, or he set up his next three opponents, right? Either way it goes, you know, that's you know, that's what we're, that's what we could be dealing with. You know, you get Ty Valkyrie sets up a rivalry with uh uh a Jade. That sets that up. Uh we get the further storyline of the outcast. We get these are the three main people. This is going to be the group for uh, this is going to be the group. They weren't trying to add anyone or anything. Then you got the teaser of the elite versus the Blackpool Combat Club, which some people have speculated could end in the blood and guts. Also, I will say this. Uh, shout out to Stu Grayson. He was uh, re-signed by AEW. But if I was booked the way the Dark Order is being booked and the role that they're playing in this storyline with Hangman, I would ask for my release. Because they are literally being booked as the friends that aren't good enough. Right? Um. Yeah, I mean, I said this earlier, if we go back to it. Dark Order came in, Double or Nothing 2019. It wasn't, I think, what they had in mind. The matches really didn't help. Um, and they kept saying, just wait for the Exalted One, wait for the Exalted One. Brody Lee comes, Brody Lee takes over. There's more more exciting about them being the heels. Obviously, with the unfortunate passing of Brody Lee, they become sympathetic baby faces. And people wanted to get behind the Dark Order. But one of the things that I've always said, whether people want to admit this or not, yeah, people like underdogs, but they want those underdogs to win. They just don't want them to be underdogs and lose like and lose in the championship. And you brought this up, is that man, like they kind of they could have made them bigger, but in 2021 before all out when they did that five on five and built up that five on five uh bullet club you know versus dark order and hangman and they lost it was like oh my god my heart's crushed i I can't believe they lost and they just like never got the momentum back from that and now that they're smaller because they've lost you know, well, they just got Stu, Stu Grayson back, but they lost Cole Cabana. Um, they lost Alan Angels. So it's you have your four, but you're not doing a whole lot with them. And that's why that's why people, like I said, after a while, it's like, you know, I'll support the underdog. But eventually I want the underdog to win. And when they don't, I think you're in a situation where it's like, yeah, we still like the Dark Order, but I think it's still we, you know, and I don't care what anybody says. It's just I think it's true. It's, it's a sympathetic love. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But but if you go, if I ask you, hey, it's your choice. Do you want to see Bullet Club? I mean, excuse me, Blackpool Combat Club versus Dark Order? Or do you want to see Blackpool Combat Club versus the Elite? I bet I asked a thousand fans at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, and they would say, all thousand would say, yes, I'd rather see Elite versus Blackpool Combat Club. I mean, it's true, but I'm just saying, they're elite, they're literally... They're literally being booked as the team that can't hang. Like, I mean, they're a part of the story. 
But this has been the case since 2021, though. Yeah, and that's bad. That's why I said I would ask for my release. Are you not? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I know what you're saying. So, yes, I mean, it's a long way of saying, like, I agree with you. And and I just say, and this is why I agree with you. Yeah, Stu, Stu, instead of asking for his release, he said, sign me up for more. I can't wait to lose again. Yeah, baby. (laughs) No, it's just like... Oh my God, I like John Silver and I like Alex Reynolds and I think they put on really entertaining matches and it's just like, but yeah, how how do you support the Dark Order? Because you know they're going to lose. They haven't won any of their feuds. They go from feud to feud to feud, taking L to L to L. That's all they do. And this, this whole thing with the Blackpool Combat Club is literally them getting beat up week after week after week. And Evil Uno's like, we we will have your back. We're tough enough to have your back. And then they get their ass whooped again. And it's just like, so Hangman's like, hey, hey, guys, I know, I know you've had my back. And when I was at my down part, you were there for me. And when I won my title, you came out and celebrated with me and you loved me. But my other friends are called the Elite. <laughs> So they're better than you. So I'm going to go with them now. Hangman's a terrible person. Boom. You're supposed to stay there and get your ass whooped with your other friends. It's one of those things where the way it plays out, it's like, man, my first my first love left me and I found this new one in the meantime. But man, that first one comes calling and you go pedaling back. They need Dark Order. I mean, Dark Order needs to turn on Hangman. That's the only way to save face. But if he literally just picks the lead over them, what 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 are we doing here? Literally retire because you've been buried that hard. Like like there's certain things in far as when you're in wrestling that you almost can't come back from, right? I thought it was three and B with gender, you know, like I was like gender, Drew, and uh, they're never gonna come back from them. They all went away, kind of reinvented themselves. Gender and uh, Drew came back and won the world title. But Dark Order is reaching that point where it's going to need to go away and then come back for anyone to take them serious because they've been booked so terribly. I mean, they're on TV. Don't get me wrong. If that, I mean, that's your goal, but it's just like, I guess someone has to take the L's, right? Someone yeah. has to lose. Someone has to, take, someone has to take the pinfalls from yeah. submissions. Someone has to lose. So if I say they're a jobber faction, Using hey. wrestling, uh, take, using wrestling logo, and I say uh, lingo, and say they're a jobber faction. I don't want anybody to get mad at me. Cause... Hey, listen, listen. <laughs> that uh, hey, I, I mean, I love him, but Daniel Garcia was a jobber, and that's in that, in that trios match because someone had to get pinned. It couldn't been the elite because of what they're what the way this feud was going to. Jericho wasn't going to take that pin, and it couldn't have been Sammy Guevara because he's in a position where he's going to be in the potentially in the main event at Double or Nothing. Daniel Garcia was literally the only person in that ring that could take the pin. Like, if you're actually paying attention, the way if you watch the show storyline, Daniel Garcia was the only person in that match that could lose. So no, never mind. It was just, it was just like I was watching it. And I was like, God dang it! I was like, I'm watching the Dark Order, and I feel bad for them. And I'm like, they're on TV, they're getting used, and you know, there's a lot of people that aren't on TV and they're getting used. They're on TV and getting used, and then that way, I'm happy for them. But I'm also sad for them because how they're being used. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, yeah, that was dynamite. Another. Banger episode, great episode. I've heard like 
I've kind of heard a lot of positive about it. And of course you get that little, like that whisper of negative out there. Some people didn't like the episode. It was not a traditional dynamite. It was not a traditional good dynamite episode. This, this episode was about building stories for later. You know what I mean? So it's like, you got to have these episodes in the TV show. You, I mean, I don't know if it's called tentpole. I don't know the correct terminology, but this, you can almost call it like an umbrella episode because it spread out so many storylines that are now going to be the foundation of every show going up to double or nothing. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. So the 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 well, the term temple is that is. I think that was the wrong word for me. Yeah, double or nothing. Double temp like temple pay per views is double or nothing full gear. There's four major. That's yeah. something significant. Um, yeah, everything is leading up towards you know double or nothing because even though it's two months away, you're still building towards that pay per view, and you got to tell a story every single show to help lead that to the next chapter. I think also. Um, you know, there are some right now. AEW is kind of in um, you know, I know people don't pay attention to it. They're kind of in a little bit of a rating slump, and a lot has to do with that. What's what's going on television wise? For example, last night was the first the I think the ending of the first four, um, well, of the of the NCAA national tournament. So you kind of know, like, hey, we're in some sometimes situations where, you know, the other things are going on. It's going to take away from the show. So we just have you have to be strategic. WWE does it all the time with when they look at things like Monday Night Football matches. Um, when they have the NCAA National Football Championship, you know about how to be strategic. So I'm sure Tony Khan does the same thing. It's just, I think right now. Um, it, it's it's very it's like a very weird time because they're moving forward they're putting on some good stuff but sometimes some things are not really hidden so um i think they it's just hopefully it's one of those things you hope to pick up each week before it has it heads towards the pay-per-view yeah they just you know they set out like i was trying to google really quick what you were talking or what i was kind of i was talking about but i don't know if there's a name for it but it's called this was called like a multi-narrative episode like it just set so many different narratives for uh what's gonna lead into either double or nothing i imagine the long island episode is going to be a big one because that's where uh, mjf is from uh so we're gonna have a lot of stuff coming up i'm looking forward to uh yeah hopefully we get ftr next week but oh no or soon but next week or soon but i really want it to be next week all right so that was it for a dynamite review uh, the preview for AEW Rampage from uh, um, from Manitoba, we got uh, Will Hobbs put out an open challenge. It was answered by Ray Phoenix. Uh, then we're going to have 2.0, Dad and Magic, uh, Matt Menard, and Angelo Parker. Uh, smooth, uh, smooth Hand Ange against the Bollywood Boys. They're from, uh, they're from Canada also. Then we're going to have another Canadian, Miss Ty Valkyrie, making her entering debut. And then, announced today, we're going to have Two Fist, the current reigning and defending PWG world champion, Daniel Garcia, versus the eight, one third of the AEW Trios title and one half 
of the PWG Tag Team Champions, Brody King, in a singles match. So we get PWG versus PWG violence. Uh, okay, this show is coming on at 7 o'clock, your time, uh, in California. Did those matches, would that make you watch? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Brody King, so I definitely, it's just, it's one of those things where, and I say this, it's just, a, it's a bad time slot, like, and you have, if you want people to tune in, you're going to have to give them some knockdown, drag out things on a very consistent weekly basis. Yes, um, absolutely, and yeah, I think you probably have to do more than, you know, you want to do to get that in there, because it's just, like, it's people's Friday nights. I go to the movies on Friday night. I This week, whether it was on at the right time it is, I'm going to be at Shazam Fury of the Gods. That's what I'm going to be doing on Friday night. To uh, Right after uh, football is over, right around March Madness time, which is now, for me, it's called uh, movie season. And it lasts from now until football season starts. And I see as many movies as possible. I saw Creed 3 last week. Uh... Freaking love that movie. Thought it was amazing. Then saw uh, another movie. I saw another movie, uh, a lesser known movie, because every time I've told anybody about this movie, they've been like, what? I've never heard of it. It's Operation Fortune. It's a Guy Ritchie film starring Jason Statham and Aubrey Plaza. Very fun, just entertaining movie. It was just like, it's the reason I go to the movies. I am an escapism person. I don't go for the movies for art. I don't go to become a better person. I don't go to cry. I just go, I go to forget my life for two hours and just live in a different world. And I think that's the best thing I can say about Oper Operation Fortune. There's your uh, Floyd, Floyd movie review of the week. Uh, so yeah, AEW Rampage, looking forward to the show. I'll watch it Saturday morning because, you know, I'll be doing other stuff Friday night. Uh, news and notes of the week. A uh, already did the third hour for AEW. The AEW Canada Tour, including Forbidden Door, was announced. AEW announces massive six-show summer Canadian tour. Um, this was a press release uh, from, uh, so on um, Sunday, June 25th. Live from Scotia Bank Center in Toronto, uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, will be Forbidden Door, uh, marking the second iteration of this event that pits the best and brightest from AEW and New Japan. So the tickets go on sale next week, March 24th. So they go on sale March 23rd. You know, if you know that, you got to get your code to get into the show. I have to get a passport so I can go into Canada. Uh, from there, uh, a uh, and kid, uh, the foray into Canada got a little caught up there. Continues Wednesday, June twenty eighth. We're gonna get the AEW and Dynamite, and then the Rampage taping live from First Ontario Center in Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, then we're gonna get uh, July fifth, AEW Dynamite and Rampage live from the Rogers Place, Rogers Place in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Uh, Wednesday, July 12th, AEW Dynamite from Saskale Center in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Friday, July 14th. I had to say that slow. You just get, they're going to get their own rampage, and that's going to be live from Regina, 
Saskatchewan. And then Saturday, July 15th, the last show on this tour, AEW House Rules, live from the Saddle Dome as a part of Canada's iconic annual cultural event, a Calgary Stampede, Calgary Stampede in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, the home of the hearts. Dude, you want to talk about, I, I've never wanted to go to a house show as much as I want to go to that show. <laughs> so, uh, tickets go on, went on sale. Uh, the pre-sale was happened today. Uh, shout, uh, shout out to, uh, shout out to my boys. Uh, got third row tickets. Um, Steven or Freddie, my friend on Twitter, we've hanged out. He got third row tickets to the Calgary Stampede show. Uh, the rest, all the rest of the tickets go on sale Friday, March 24th. Uh, at 10 a.m. Central Time. So everybody go ahead and check it out. Uh, so, yeah, big Canadian tour. What do you think about the Canadian tour, sir? Um, it's great because this is part of what I know there's a few people, um, whether they want to admit it or not, they want AEW to be like that same company it was in 2019. Well, that isn't going to work because AEW, you know, in order to – they this is part of growth of everything they do. And they're going into a new territory, if you will. And by doing a tour and I know for a fact, without even seeing any numbers they're doing, they're going to be very successful for it with it because, you know, any country that's not America is, you know, wants to consume this type of entertainment um, or entertainment in general, but especially like bringing wrestling to their country and Canada is one of them, and they want to see more, uh, especially, I mean, I'm talking about televised events, not just live events. I'm talking about televised events specifically, and they just bring another dynamic, and you, and hopefully right out the gate, you know, they bring in some hot stuff, and I'm excited for Forbidden Door. You know, the last year they had some great matches. There were some limitations. It'll be interesting to see what they do this year um, and if they plan on bringing in any new talent. So I'm excited to see it. Unfortunately, I can't make it because – it's right around the time of my summer program. And if Tony Khan continues to stick with this date, you know, the last week of June, I will probably always be continuing doing my summer camp during that time. So I will probably never be able to leave the area and go to that event, but it's great to watch on, on pay-per-view. I have some friends in Canada, one being Kyle from uh, all uh, from elite POV um, my company that I work for, which I will name nameless, has a location in Toronto. So I'm going to do my best to try to get them to pay for me to go on the trip. Uh, we're going to see how that works out. Probably not, but we're going to see how it works out. Then I have to get a passport, which is the probably most annoying part of the situation. But I'm at least going to buy a ticket. I'm going to see about going. I don't know. Be uh, fully going international. And it's like, like going to Toronto without my wife just feels wrong but we'll see how this works out looking forward to it uh doing uh doing shows in Canada uh and for all of my friends that happen to live in the Independence Kansas City area don't forget about the AEW Slam event uh put on by um what is it called AEW cares AEW together AEW together uh make sure you check that out go play some basketball with your uh, aid, all elite friends. Uh, I believe Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are going to be there. The Gun Club. 
uh, Satnam Singh, who was actually an NBA player, so I wouldn't challenge him to anything. Um, um, Isaiah Cassidy, Big Show, Nyla Rose, Sean Dean, uh, Will Hobbs, which, you know, he probably just stare at you and you just give him the ball at that point. And Orange Cassidy, which is the one person I would challenge to one-on-one. Because he probably doesn't care if he wins or loses. Yeah, I bet with that dude gets a basketball, that dude's draining, draining threes like he's Stephen Curry. Dude, I challenged, I challenged Cash Wheeler to horse. He said he would dominate me. And it was with the quickness and confidence in which he said he would dominate me, made, made me know that I don't want to play him in basketball. <laughs> he said, if I play, I would kill you. I was like, dang. He is, you know... From North, I don't know if he's gonna be there. I don't. I don't even. Th- they haven't been announced. So, but he is from North Carolina, and you know, basketball is kind of a religion there. Just kind of, kind of important there. So. There was um, yeah. there was that that one guy, that one guy. You know, he went to school in North Carolina. I think he turned out kind of good, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Michael Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, Jordan, that's that guy. Yeah, I'm like. I mean, if somebody may have heard of him, may not have. I don't know. I don't do the sports ball that much, but. I've heard he's pretty good, you know, uh, so no, uh, just kidding. Uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, you should go out and support it. Uh, go to AEWtogether.com. Even if you can't go, you just, you, it's just a good cause. Buy a ticket. Buy a ticket. <laughs> Damn it. Even if you can't go, buy a ticket. Support the crew. Support the crew, you know. It's just like, uh, it's basically donating to a good cause, which is for the Williams William Christman Bears basketball team. So go ahead and get to some of that stuff done. I don't think I can. I mean, I'm 99% sure I can't make it. I have, unfortunately, this thing called a job, and it gets in the way of leisure activity sometimes. So, uh, yeah, I don't think I'll be able to make it. But to everybody there, go out, have a good time, have fun. Uh, yeah, uh, that's it. I think that's all. I think we came back. Man, thank you, JR. We are back. I am hoping to be back to being a weekly show. Uh, you know, like I said, this is a very busy time of the year for um, uh, this is a very busy time of year for um, Austin. But we might have a special surprise for you next week. I don't want to say it because I want to make sure timing. But I think we're going to have a special guest on the next show. And he is one of my dear good friends that every time I go to AEW pay-per-view, he's there. I actually met him in the line of Cody Rhodes at All Out during the pandemic. They did that one in Jacksonville. Yeah, so I I, I look forward to it when uh, I'm going to announce it on the page as soon as we're 100% confirmed. But JR, thank you again for being on the show. You are clutch. I know you did not get a lot of sleep last night, so you're probably tired as hell. But you still, anytime I ask you on the show, you step up. So I appreciate you. Well, it's always fun getting a chance to to talk about the show with you and uh, and share my thoughts to anybody that's willing to listen to me talk. And so, um, and yeah, you know, you know, I got I uh, have a lot of love for for ATE and. You know, I, I'm pretty much I'm in semi retirement, but I'm like Terry Funk, man. You know, I'm retired and then just something happens and I got to go do a shot and I'll go back to retirement again. 
All right. Well, yes, uh, we're, we're going to do everything we can in my power, everything in my power to be a weekly episode podcast, which has been my goal since the very beginning. Uh, I went like a long time without missing a show. And then it just feels like everything has happened. Life has happened. Life gets in my way. Uh, but we will be back to being a weekly episode of class. Please bear with us. Please love us. Please keep listening. Keep sharing. Because uh, we are the longest, longest, the reigning, defending, undisputed king of AEW podcasts. Podcast? Podcast. I said podcast. This, but I meant AEW podcast. So we are the one. We are the one. Everybody else is the twos. I'm using so much WWE stuff. But JR, thank you again for coming. Uh, thank you all for listening, whether you listen a second, a minute, an hour, whatever you listen. We appreciate you coming in. Even if you just download it and don't even know what we sound like, we still appreciate you. So I will leave you like I always leave you, whether it is home, work, or school. Always do your best to be elite. <music>